from CSG Studios, high above the streets of beautiful Denver, Colorado, you're listening to the Colorado Sports Guys. They talk about sports and stuff. And now your hosts, Jeff Morton, Ross Martin, and Nate Timmons. What's up, everybody out there on the interwebs? We're here, CSG 105. Of course, I am Nate Timmons. With me, as always, Ross Hips and Glasses Mutton. Good morning, good evening, and good afternoon. And, of course, Jeff Morton, the man, the myth, the legend from Thornton. What's up, everyone? Yeah, it was all right, Jeff. It was all right, Ross. Keep working on it, Jeff. Every every week, every week, it's something else. (laughs) You know, we wouldn't uh, keep bringing it up if you didn't keep screwing it up. One of these days, man, you'll get it right. You'll get it right. (laughs) We're here. It's it's snowing in Colorado right now. It might not be when you listen to this, but whatever. It's nice, a little moisture for everybody. Uh, We got headlines coming at you. We have things Jeff believes to be true, and of course we're going to talk Denver Nuggets playoff basketball as they try to extend the series in Oakland, California, coming up on May the 2nd. And of course, we're going to be having a Stiffs Night Out on May 2nd. If you listen to this before then, come on down to Jake's Food and Spirits, 38th and Walnut. Ross might be in the house. Jeff will definitely be there. I'll be there. We're going to be hanging out watching Nuggets basketball. Go Nuggets. Watching that stuff. Anyway, Nuggets. that's what we're doing. Ross Martin hit us up with some headlines. Man. Yeah. What's going on? Right into headlines. Too much to talk about to be BSing with each other. So let's get this going. So let's, serious. so let's get this going. Let's get this thing so let's, going. Let's get it going, Ross. Come on. Let's. Thank you. April 29th, 2013 from si.com. Sports, Sports Illustrated. Illustrated for, uh, yeah. As, as he said. Oh, yeah. By Jason Collins. Why NBA center Jason Collins is coming out now is the title. Have you guys heard about this? It's coming now, now. <laughs> He's a funk soul brother. Check him <laughs> <Yeah>. out now. <laughs> yeah, I have yes. heard a little bit about this. <laughs> yes. Yes. You know, we got to, we got, to, apparently it was Fatboy Slim who was the inspiration <laughs> for that article. So. Yeah, and I had heard about this article, as most people did prior to reading it. Yes. Right? Yeah. And, and it's not usually in my nature to opine on controversial matters such as this article. Oh, but, never. Never. but in this instance, and in the spirit of flexibility, I will make an exception. Okay, good. Yes. Good and for I'll you, Ross. Throw in my two cents here and then you guys can respond. This is going to be unusual. This article here is the first I had ever even heard of Jason Collins. And frankly, he didn't make a very good first impression on me. That is to say, the title of this article left me with a bit of a bad taste in my mouth. Give me that article title one more time. Why NBA Center Jason Collins is Coming Out Now by Jason Collins. Okay. I know where you're going. Not the best. Referring to oneself in the third person. A la Ricky Henderson, Carl Malone, or the Jimmy. It's a move whose haughty iliism is usually reserved exclusively for only the windiest of the blowhards. So right off the knob, I'm skeptical. And then I read the first line and get really pissed off. I'm 34-year-old NBA center. I'm black and I'm gay. Frankly, this makes me want to puke. And I, for one, am not going to allow this, this violation to stand without speaking up. I do not support the utter lack of dignity that is presented to the reader in the first line of this 
so-called article, the tone of which non-apologetically and unabashedly conflicts with the third-person narrative, which was plainly established by the point of view of the article's title. (laughs) See what you want about the decision to use third-person in the title, but that's a literary mechanism and open to interpretation, but I will not budge when it comes to matters of continuity related to the point of view of the narrator. Colossal blunder. Well said, Ross. Well said. And then later he makes a somewhat forgivable mistake when he says, I'm glad I'm coming out in 2013 rather than 2003. The climate has shifted. Public opinion has shifted. And yet we still have so much farther to go. No biggie. I'm sure he didn't mean to use the word farther, which is a word related to physical distance. Of course, he meant to use the word further, which is related to a metaphorical distance, as in... Jason Collins' article in Sports Illustrated is nothing more than an attempt to brainwash and recruit our children into the Satanism and further the homo left-wing anti-Christian agenda. Is that from the comment section? But other than those two mistakes, I thought the article was really interesting and inspiring, and I'm happy and proud to be a living witness to this type of positive historical shift. What do you guys think about this, guys? (laughs) Well, I mean, the egregious... A let's have bold let's, face. Use let's have Jeff, language. the uh, the authority on the subject, perhaps talk. <laughs> let's have him talk last. Let's well, have first us. of all, that's an absolute lie. I have never been a black senator. Senator, <laughs> let's, have, let's have Jeff weigh in last and so on. Have... <laughs> maybe the best angle, but uh, you guys keep coming to me as an authority on black and, and, and or subjects like that, and quite frankly, I'm starting to get offended at this. <laughs> We're not trying to pigeonhole you into the black center, NBA center thing. I am – no, it's actually – Because everybody knows you play point guard. Yeah. I do play point well, guard. Center. Jeff, you I'm... said you're going last year. Your, your opinion matters the most, so you shall go last year. But I wanted to say we should all hold hands and feel how old we are to think back to not being able to come out in 2003. What a different time that was, 2003. Olden days a lot of, of things 2003. Have, a lot of things have happened. My God. A lot of things have changed. And in this case, I would say for the better. Am I, I right? I, I, here's kind of what I was thinking on this one, too, is – yeah, it's great that it's the the story came out. It's awesome, but kind of like Ross said, I hadn't heard of Jason Collins before. And if if you offer Jason Collins for Timothy Mozgov for basically anybody on the Denver Nuggets, I would say no, sir. This he, man is a stiff. Here's why I would disagree with you, and this is kind of a. I'm talking purely basketball sense. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's Even why. in his prime, I would have said no, thank you to him. Later in the article, here's why. I think he'd be great. I'd say he should, we should get him on the Nuggets. And especially before last night's game, I would have said this. At one point in this article, he says, I take charges and I foul. That's been my forte. In fact, during the 2004-05 season, my 322 personals led the NBA. And I assume he's talking about personal fouls, not personal ads. I enter the court knowing I have six hard fouls to give. That's how he finished it. Yeah, that that is a good point. That's what the Nuggets needed, right? Yeah, you can use that. Jeff, sorry. I didn't. But I was thinking, would you rather have a 20-point a score come out, or would you rather have a, you know, because there's all this stuff about Jason Collins. Is he such a professional? He's such a professional. That's a nice way for saying that he's not a very good basketball player. He's a great teammate. He's a professional. Not the best player, but serviceable big man. 
He's a role player. He's been in the league for 10 years or more. He's coming up on 14 seasons. 14 years. You can't say a guy who's been in the league for 14 years is not a good player. Uh, yeah, you can. Just because Just he's to. not a superstar doesn't mean he's not a good player. But smart guy, awesome article. I really enjoyed the read. I thought it was good. I liked uh, all three stories. I liked his story. I liked his brother's perspective, and I liked how the story came together. Jeff, throw it to you. It's abrupt. You may uh, speak now. I was <laughs> <laughs> just waiting for a, the, a nice segue, but that was rather abrupt. Um, Sometimes I'm just to the point. But yeah. uh, well, I like that he enjoys the fact that he puts out hard fouls. But I don't know if there is a let's there's two angles to this. He's a marginal NBA player. It's thirty four years old. Thirty four years old, my age. And it's great that he was able to as an quote unquote active NBA player, let's you know, but he is also a free agent. So he doesn't technically have a team, even though he's with the. That was the question I wanted to know: is if he never plays another game in the NBA again, does this count? Yeah. Does this count as the first gay active? Well, technically, pro sports technically, player? yes. I mean, he. I think he would play because he was actually like Bill Simmons had even talked about him as being a valuable guy with the Celtics. Well, the Celtics really liked kind him. Of, yeah. Yeah. And I think I, this is my this is my thing is that I. I in I I admire the fact that he was able to get out there and do this, you know, and take the initiative and have the wherewithal to say, you know, I got I got to do this now. And he said the Boston Marathon uh, bombings were kind of like, I got to do something. And sometimes people need a, a jarring event to happen for things like, oh, I got to do this now. Which you know, it's unfortunate that it would take that sort of thing, but at the same time, it's okay. And he's he's able to go out there and do that, and I admire him, and I respect him for doing that. And there was an outpouring of support that was pretty overwhelming in response to this article. Absolutely. There were a lot of big-name players that uh, threw their support publicly behind mm -hmm. him and his decision to come out. I didn't read it a lot as their supportive of – I like Chris Paul's comment, no comment. Yeah, I didn't hear about that. Okay. What is that? Oh, I didn't know that. He just said no comment about further talking about the subject. Yeah, because. No comment. Is that a, is that. I think it's probably because his team's getting their ass kicked by the Grizzlies. <laughs> well, I, th I saw like, you know, even, uh, was it Kenneth Fareed that, that, uh, posted, yeah. um, uh, uh, a supportive tweet about him, uh, coming out. And this yeah. was, this was a, this was a big story, right? This is a huge, this is, and this is something that has been, uh, percolating. All year, there's been this, uh, especially with the political stuff going around this, with the uh, gay marriage uh, fights going on across the country, even in Colorado as of today, I believe civil unions are now legal and recognized. It's that is civil correct. union day, and Kenneth Reed was asked about that at practice today, and he got the citizenship award for, in part, because of the work he does with the gay and lesbian and transgender communities. Absolutely. And he talked about, you know, he's always going to throw his support behind those people, and I thought my my biggest takeaway from this whole thing was Jason Collins being able to just, you know, live as himself, as being able to, no matter who you are, I think everybody has insecurities. I mean, obviously his 
maybe outweigh some, but everybody has insecurities for him to be able to, you know, kind of be open about who he is. I think other people can draw on that strength for different reasons. And I thought that was kind of the coolest part of it. Well, look at it this way, guys. It's, it was an enormous step, personal step for him. Most, first and foremost, okay? Let's forget about me. Let's forget about every other um, gay or Because it's not like his there. family knew about it yeah. for forever and yeah. have been keeping the secret with him. He's been holding this just in himself. If Jason Collins is a lot like me. He's not a stereotypical homosexual man. And there's he's all, almost seven feet. Yeah, you know, he's like me. He's a seven-foot black center. <laughs> and the problem is... There's two types of stereotype. There's the stereotype of gay people, and then there's there's the stereotype of gay the way gay people believe you should act, and it doesn't always coincide. And I think that for him to make this step, I think it, I admire it even more. Being as someone who kind of defies stereotype, it's like you can identify him, look at him, and think, yeah, you know what? Regular people are gay. You know, they they are not, you know, guys who wear leather and have big mustaches and, you know, are bald. Or they're not <laughs> they're, there, they're not only like, guys who wear leather. Yeah, it's not only, they're not a little blaming bit, or anything, you know. Isn't there a little bit more to this, too, that he is an African-American gay man? I mean, isn't that yes. – that's kind of been the big – the kind of rumor or the, you know, talk going on behind the scenes is that, you know, the African-American community doesn't support gay men. And it's not very behind yeah. them. And now every, you're seeing people be behind him as being both gay and African American. Well, this is a sensitive subject, but yeah, you're right. I mean, it's, it's, there's aspects of the, of, of African American culture that don't support or less likely to support, I guess, this sort of thing. Now I, I happen to think that's overstated. Yeah. I have met many, many, many gay, uh, uh, African American men, and you know, like that's they seem to have. I think, I think what it is is that everyone has their own cultural purview, right? And you're going to come at it from where you're at and where you're raised. But the one that matters is how you cut your your parents. Your parents are the the ones that shape how you are approaching the rest. Forget the rest of your family; it's just your parents. So, however you're raised is going to be how you look. And how you come out or how you approach life in general. Okay. And obviously it sounded to me like Jason Collins had, you know, a pretty solid supportive upbringing. Yeah. Yeah. I would Very say so. there's like, like Jeff, you just said it's overstated. Probably the, uh, the, uh, you know, built in homophobia or, or whatever is, is, you know, I don't, I don't understand. I don't, I don't see like how black culture would be any more intolerant for gays than white culture or Hispanic culture or whatever. I've never really bought that whole side of things, frankly, because. But it has been whispered about, but yeah. Yeah, it is. But, uh, I mean, like any, like anything, there's, there's, uh, you know, the conventional wisdom about certain things, but that doesn't necessarily represent the truth. I mean, yeah, how else definitely. could you explain all the, the outpouring, supposedly public, or the supposed support that has come out publicly from other players, yeah. most of whom were black? You know what I mean? So um, here's the thing I think is interesting. Everybody is showing their support, right? Uh, guys like um, Kenneth Fareed and some of the other big Kobe names. Bryant. Kobe Bryant. 
they're, you know, especially Kobe Bryant, right? If he had said nothing, like th- that would have been um, a notable omission. Like we would ex- have expected Kobe Bryant to make a statement about it, showing public support. People would have been absolutely shocked had he given, uh, you know, said something negative about and it. And people almost they went to him almost first because of what he said to that official a couple seasons. A couple ago. seasons ago, called yeah. him the old f word. You know. Yeah, yeah, faggot. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Only I could say that about my people. <laughs> you don't but, get to say that. That's my word. I can say it now because I'm I have a gay friend. <laughs> right? Well, and, let, let I, me, I, I my whole family's gay. <laughs> my uncle. My mother's gay. My father was gay. I have a bunch of kindling in my hand. Go okay, keep going, Ross. But, you had a point. Well, I I so like here's the thing. There's these uh um, after the, this big story was made, and now this is a big story, right? This is a Sports Illustrated issue. Uh, it he's was, already been on CNN. He's been on Bill Simmons' podcast already. Yeah. Like, he's making the tour right now. Yeah. And, and whatever we knew about Jason Collins before this, right? We, we might not have ever said that he's a great basketball player. I thought his, right? I thought his brother had a funny line where he said, uh, Jared Collins said, they're twin brothers. And he said, I know people are probably going to come up to me and be like, are you the gay one or the straight one? <laughs> I thought that was kind of funny. Maybe. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Um, and by I the love, way, by the way, I love Nate's man on the street voice. <laughs> <laughs> so what's up, man? <laughs> um, <laughs> so about the responses that people are making, right? There is this, uh, as soon as this story comes out, and again, this was, you know, a story that came out. Um, in the midst of a lot of public discourse surrounding the rights of uh, the gay community, and Jason Collins comes out now, right? Last week, we were talking about the kicker trying out in the combine for football, right? Yeah. You know, that was a big story that was kind of going to um, possibly – he was possibly going to be the first gay pro player of the four major sports in America, right? Yeah. Then Jason Collins comes out. We all know, or we didn't know who Jason Collins was. You. And before, or maybe you did, yeah. but you know, you look at like what his background is and you look at the types of parents he has, you look at that, you know, he's a Stanford man. Stanford right? man, yeah. You know, you look at that and you say, Stan well, man. even if we never, even if we never could identify him as the gay athlete or even a great athlete, we certainly would never have made the mistake of thinking he's not a smart athlete. Right. And I think he, as much as anybody, recognized this opportunity as in, I can't wait a year or I can't even wait a week because the benefits of becoming the first one are far outweigh or, or far much greater than being the second do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. So this was he's a smart guy. He's uh you know, he's a well-spoken guy. He he's in Washington DC most recently, and right? There's been talk yeah, about the, the NFL having a group of guys that were going to come out maybe this sometime this season. So it was almost like is there a countdown? Was he calculating that into this? I don't know. Well, here's the abs- I mean, absolutely he was without question 
That's why it's one of the reasons why it's so interesting because the first guy gets a movie, gets a book, gets uh, his face on every news, whatever news story or news station he wants to be on. The Jason he's Collins on movie won't have this very great action scenes <laughs> from the basketball court. Well, they, they can make that, <laughs> you know, they, they can dramatize that all they want. But now he's a household name. Second guy is not a household name. Second guy is just the second guy. Who was it uh, we were talking about? Jim Doby? Was that his name? Larry Doby. Larry, Larry Doby. The yeah. second black baseball player mm. in majors. Nope. I mean, very few people know who he, he is. He was the one that was in the, uh, let's see, American League, right? I don't even know. Yeah. Yeah. There was, uh, yeah. You look him up in Wikipedia, it says second. <laughs> second. <laughs> Nobody's writing, a, a, you know, a, a movie about him in, right. in 2013. Yeah. So a good no-name veteran now a household name. What does this mean for him? There's a, a lot of former NBA players that have gone into politics. Um, who's the guy in Sacramento? Uh, Kevin Johnson. Kevin Johnson, mayor of Sacramento. Played at Phoenix. Um, this guy, this was Bill, the, Dollar Bill Bradley. Yes, but yes, this was the perfect person and the perfect time and the perfect situation for him to do come out and I absolutely applaud him, one, for being smart enough to recognize this situation, the potential and the timing. I mean, it's perfect timing, not only for the cause, but for himself and for moving forward, you know, because you say he wasn't a great player, but 14 years in the NBA. Yeah. I mean, I mean I'm talking about an NBA player. Obviously, he's an elite athlete if he's in the NBA. Well, well, what is it? 10% of anybody that tries to be or something gets in. So, I mean, he's an elite athlete. I'm just saying from the basketball point of view. Let me let me say this. It, there's this kind of BS notion that you have to be a star. Yeah, would you yeah. rather it have been and a guy me, who scores 20 a night? Yeah, and let me, let me tell you matter? something. It doesn't matter. It does not matter. It really doesn't. I, it, he is someone who just – I mean, I wrote an article about it, I think, yesterday, and – I had a lot of people saying, well, why didn't, why don't you just keep it to yourself, dude? And this goes with a larger point, I think. And I let the, I mean, I was reading through the comments and I usually moderate the comments on Denver Stips and I looked through and I didn't really, there was people who were disagreeing, but this is the larger point of the issue is I think we need people out there who disagree because I, I, we need people out there who need their views expressed so they can have a debate happen. If someone <laughs> keeps their shit to themselves, then no one will ever be, have the opportunity to change their mind. Exactly. Because if you're sitting there and you are, uh, um, supporting a position that has not been contradicted, you're mm -hmm. just, you're just preaching. And we left and, the comments open. And all open. you're doing is watching Fox News. And I mean, that's literally yeah. all you're doing. And we left the comments open on Denver Stiffs. I mean, we had at least one guy that was kind of talking from the other side of talking from his Christian background mm -hmm. about how, you know, this doesn't really go with, like he was saying, you know, yeah, it's whatever he wants to do. This doesn't really go with my beliefs, but I'm not going to knock him for it. He's like, if the Bible told me I could go sleep with a thousand women, I'd be out there sleeping with a thousand women. I mean, then there's that kind of, we just want to leave it open because you do have to have a, an open conversation about it. You don't want to shout people down even if they do disagree. You want to hear why and then 
maybe you can tell them your point of view and maybe they'll listen to well, it. Well, that's why in my article I said hearts and minds. I mean, Jason Collins and hearts and minds because it's a different, it's a different thing now because now that there's a, a, a prominent, well, not prominent, but a, a, <laughs> a male, you know, like me, a black seven foot center in the NBA, <laughs> you have someone out there who can, you know, who is a, a, a semi, you know, he really is a pioneer. But we're uh, living in, I mean, but, sorry. I will say this. I will say this. Mark Jackson, I don't know if you, uh, coach of the, uh, coach, uh, apparently turned Canadian. Yeah, coach, yeah. <laughs> coach of the, uh, yeah, Golden cheese, State Warriors, eh? Cheese curds and coaching. <laughs> yeah. Um, he made a comment about he was going to pray for Jason Collins' family. And. Very religious man, Mark. Very Jackson. religious. He's a preacher. Right. Even though he had an affair with a stripper at some point. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. But what bothered me, I, mean, I normally don't react badly to comments like that. What, what bothered me about it was it came across so snide and smug. And I, I, that is what bothered me about that. Normally people who, you know, express the, I don't listen, they'll, ex, they'll, but Mark they'll Jackson's say this snide is and smug about everything. Everything. He and, says. I, and I'm like, and like that, that's just, you rub you the wrong way because of how people present it sometimes. And I think a lot of people don't know how to articulate themselves in a way that can be expressed in an intelligent or maybe, I shouldn't say intelligent, but in a way that is reasonable, I guess. They come from their own point of view. And then I reacted badly to that, quite frankly, and I'm still, still rubs me the wrong way. At the same time, if I'm never allowed to talk to Mark, to Mark Jackson, you know, I would still, if I did get that opportunity, I would say, this is where I'm coming from, and I think this is where I disagree with you. I would like to have that opportunity. If you never say it, you will never get that opportunity. If I don't know you dislike me, I will have never an opportunity to change your mind. I, I listen. I agree, but there are little things in life, right? Little things built into our human civilization, like like almost like little practical jokes that are, that our best and brightest people in the in the world have. Uh, engineered into our social interaction that help intelligent and forethinking people quickly identify the ignorant <laughs> without having to put much thought into and energy into figuring out who these people are. I call it idiot bait, right? <laughs> it's a built-in convenience for people like us, right? <laughs> okay, so let me give you an example. Like, when you see somebody in a Camaro, right, you're like, well, this person's an idiot. And therefore, I'm not going to waste a lot of time. Uh, you know, another spray. good one, Ed Hardy t-shirts. That's another good one. That's I like to get drunk and fight. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, ski racks in the middle of July, right? This is, yeah. this is right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Raider jerseys. Yeah. These are little things. And to the common buffoon, these are, these are like, these are like markers that help us identify these people. To the common buffoon, these things are like uh, um, tantalizing shiny objects that they just can't stay away from. <laughs> and unfortunately, one of the biggest markers of the ignorant of them all can be religion. And I'm not saying that about religious people. I'm not saying only the ignorant are religious. But the people that can't help but pipe up and put their opinion on something like Jason Collins mm -hmm. coming out 
or in any situation where this comes out, the people that use that to justify their intelligence, that's a marker right there. So whether it's Mark Jackson who's saying, I'll pray for his family. I don't know if that was a, I'll pray for him like he's sick. You know, I'll pray for him because otherwise he'll be going to hell. I don't know if that's what he, but, or it's Chris Broussard making comments uh, along the same vein, right? You know, well, he went, uh, Chris Broussard went a little further than Mark Jackson did. I, that was, yeah, Mark Jackson walked a pretty fine. Mark Jackson was like a simple statement. Chris Broussard went, he, he, he said, went beyond from being a Christian to basically judging not only homosexuals, but everyone who ever has ever thought an unclean thought in their lives. You know, yeah, and he I, bashed <laughs> heterosexuals in that interview. He's like, mm-hmm. if you're, you know, having premarital relations, then you're probably going to hell. If I want to spread my seed over <laughs> and you know what? I've never understood when, when the, uh, religious argument comes out against these types of things, I've never understood where the inclination is. Like Jeff, you're saying, if they don't say that, that doesn't give me the ability to debate them. And it doesn't give us the ability to um, uh, have a, some sort of constructive conversation. Yeah. I've never understood that uh, uh, inclination when you're talking about the – when people bring up religion and the Bible or whatever it is. Maybe it's not the Bible. Maybe it's the Quran or whatever. When people bring up that side – or that is their evidence for feeling or thinking a certain way, I have never understood why that should even be engaged, frankly, because a sin is a, relig- a violation of religious law. That comes from a book. I could make up my own book and say that eating peanut butter sandwiches is a sin, right? Oh, that's and, my religion too. And if I, yeah. <laughs> and I'm sitting next, must be in the same religion. And, yeah. And if I'm sitting next to a guy on a bus who's eating a peanut butter sandwich and I say, hey, you know, I'm a Rostian. <laughs> and you're going to hell because you're eating that peanut butter sandwich. The guy's not going to be like, "Well, that's not how I interpreted the Russian Bible." He'd he'd be like, "What do you get away from me? I'm trying to eat my lunch." You know, he wouldn't even engage, right? So I and so when I, I don't see the whole point of you know debating with people who are using a uh, uh, a, a religious manuscript as evidence for intolerance when. Even if it was in there, the whole rest of the book preaches tolerance and forgiveness. So I don't know. I've never seen the whole point of like debating guys like Chris Broussard. And, and I think Chris Broussard should be fired. Chris Broussard. But not because he's a bigot, but because he's not credible. Because well, he, he's he, not. He, he took he, it over here. He went from here to like way over here. I mean, and if he's going to be, have any sort of reprimand, it's because he basically told everyone in the country they're sinners. And he's on a sports show talking about one gay athlete. Well, they must have. I mean, ESPN obviously must have told him he could say whatever he wanted because they suspended Bill Simmons for less than that for talking bad about the company. And they're going to let Broussard get out there and say whatever he wants. That's that's an interesting (laughs) thing. And that is actually a very good subject. They suspended Bill Simmons for basically just saying ESPN's first take is a pile of crap. That's so funny. I didn't even know Chris Broussard worked at ESPN. I just heard this. Oh, you didn't know. But, that, now, was... but now I realize why he's not fired and why Bill Simmons does get suspended. It's it, because, like I said, I thought Chris Broussard, Broussard should be fired, not because he's a bigot, because he's not credible and he's no longer 
can be trusted for his opinion. You need to. He f- works for ESPN, so he fits right in. You fired Chris <laughs> Broussard because he's a horrible reporter. He used exactly. To be on the, he used exactly. to be on the, uh, the NBA pregame show with like Magic Johnson and some of these guys. And the funny part was when they would zoom back, you could see all of their feet. And like Magic Johnson was on the stool and his feet were on the ground. Same with everybody else. And Chris Broussard had the little stool with the, and a little footstep, and his were like up on the footstep because he's like five feet tall. So he looks like a little kid up there, and Magic Johnson's next to him, you know, like six nine, like he's just a little guy, like yeah, Magic. <laughs> and Magic's like, what? Like who's this little guy trying to talk to me about basketball? Chris Broussard has many reasons they shouldn't employ him anymore. Chief of which was him after Darren Williams, about ten minutes after Darren Williams announced that he had resigned on Twitter. I mean, directly from the horse's mouth on Twitter that he had resigned with the New Jersey Nets for like a hundred million dollars contract. Yeah, Darren Williams tweeted out, "I'm signing with the Nets." I am here. Yeah, literally, <laughs> that's it. Was what it said. Ten minutes later, Chris Broussard came back and said, "Our sources indicate that <laughs> <laughs> sources say <laughs> sources Darren say Darren Williams to sign with the Nets." And so. ever since then, he's been sources say Chris Broussard to me <laughs> because it was. I mean, I did tweet him back and say. You're, the source was Darren Williams, you tool, but. <laughs> you're, wait, the source is Darren Williams what? I said the source is Darren Williams, you tool. Ah. <laughs> He's probably on there going, sources say Jason Collins is gay. Like, yeah, Jason Collins just said he was. Anyway. My source is at Sports Illustrated from their website. <laughs> my source, uh, right, Ross, my source says in the byline that says thing. Jason Collins. I do have another headline, but real quick, I want to uh, bring up uh, something else. Um, I love the, uh, you know, after the flood of, like, after Jason Collins comes out, there then uh, is always going to be, when anything happens like this, there's going to be the uh, other people who comment, and from what I see, it's almost like they're coming out too because they felt so uncomfortable about it that they had to somehow let me just read this yeah that'll help nobody asked mike wallace what he thought <laughs> but he was very quick to announce how not gay he is <laughs> all these beautiful women in the world who guys want to mess with other guys shake my head <laughs> um <laughs> Allow me to quote God. the appropriately named uh, Queen Gertrude when she says, "Methinks he doth protest too much." You know, it's like every time you know some like the topic of gay comes up, some other guy's like, "I'm not gay, I'm not gay." I ain't nobody never asked with no man. <laughs> yeah, no TMZ man. about to catch Mike Wallace doing something. You know, somebody. But, but Whenever that, I see a man soaping him up himself in the shower, <laughs> I always hide my penis. I hide my penis. So they don't see my bones. And I, and I read the Bible to cleanse the thoughts. So Mike Wallace is going to be the uh, second gay athlete <laughs> yeah. in America. Ironically, after he's uh, now recently signed with the Dolphins <laughs> in Miami. Yeah. But no, but here's the thing. Um, th- this was uh, – people were talking about the Mike Wallace quote as if this was a – like everybody's waiting for that first guy to come out and say something stupid, right? Chris Broussard, right? Yeah, I went to I went to Yahoo.com and I saw a picture of like Kobe, I think another, and then Jason Collins and then a picture of Mike Wallace and it was I was like, I wonder what Mike Wallace said. It's well, like it was, probably something dumb. You know, I, funny because I, I keep wanting to say Mike Wallace is dead, but that's not the right one. So this mind. is sixty minutes. <laughs> <laughs> a little different. But here's the thing I have to say. What he said, that's not offensive and that's not even uh uh it's not uh, the least bit intolerant or 
at all, right? Yeah, no. It's I mean, not. is it? No. He's just womanizing. Right. I mean, I mean, it's offensive to women, but <laughs> I mean, I don't think it was offensive to women. He's saying there's a lot of beautiful women out there. All day. Yeah, yeah I but you know, this you know, a, doesn't mean you mess around with every pretty woman in the world. I, I thought the, try, I thought the backlash on him was overblown and not well deserved, but we needed somebody to come out and be the villain. It might have been a stupid tweet, but it wasn't certainly wasn't uh, bigoted or anything. I didn't yeah. think. I mean, it was it was kind of dumb, right? And the good news is, well, he's, uh, it's he's most probably li- gay. It's most likely that he hasn't been doing too well with the women in Miami yet because they're not that <laughs> impressed by whatever. So he's trying to figure out a way in. He's like, maybe if I over compliment them, I can get them. into the situation, mm, baby. You're looking fine tonight. Because I mean, let's face it, the girls in South Beach in Miami, wherever he is. They've seen better than Mike Wallace. The guys in South Beach. Come on. It's cut, it's cut both ways. Dude. My my friend Drew sends me pictures. <laughs> LeBron James. He's in Miami. All right. Shall we move on now? Yeah, let's move yeah. on. Enough of the gay agenda. <laughs> enough, pers- is, enough, yeah. enough of furthering. No, 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 no. We're, we're gay we're, agenda. We're furthering my seven-foot-tall black center <laughs> agenda. Right. More headlines, Ross? Yes. Uh, Always. In the spirit of discussing closeted gay athletes from uh, uh, the New York Post, Tim Tebow, released by the New York Jets. <laughs> we, we, please don't. We, have, we don't have to talk about Tebow. What, please, you, you God, know, no. You don't want to talk about Tebow ever, right? This is like no. a, this is a, the common... This is the common wisdom. It's so overplayed. It's the so ratings. Blah, 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 blah. I want clicks. I want TV. But I if I ratings. didn't talk about Tebow, I wouldn't have had, get. I wouldn't have been able to say the joke about speaking of closeted gay pro yeah. athletes. Uh, what was it? <laughs> Face off. What was the speaking uh... of uh, closeted gay Canadian professional athletes? Tim Tebow was. Uh, that was another one I was thinking of saying. <laughs> Tim Tebow was uh, released by the Jets. <laughs> was it Face Off? <laughs> what? Face Off, remember? You, the movie? Yeah, yeah. You did the whole Face Off, Tim Tebow? Tim Tebow. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Face Off. Face Off. Face Off. Face <laughs> Off. Tim Tebow story. Are you saying that right next to a Tebow jersey? <laughs> I never had a problem yeah, with Tebow. Yeah, you have a Tebow t-shirt. Tebow's looking good. I never, what? Why, why would I, I don't have a problem with Tim Tebow. I like Tebow. What, you don't like him because he's probably gay? I root for him. What does that him. make you? <laughs> I root for Tim Tebow. I loved him. Wish we would I loved Tebow right up until we got rid of him and then Felt the wrath of the Tebow fanatics who mingled amongst us. I've never even seen these Tebow fanatics. Do they even exist? They're, they do. They're they do, insidious. But they are. They are. I've never come in contact horrible, with them. It's horrible awesome. hypocrites. Usually all from Kentucky. I have no idea who they are. They're like uh, the Loch Ness Monster to me. Never seen them. Mystery. <laughs> Final headline. Tebow sucks, by the way. Have fun playing Here's what I don't want. Soccer fields in Canada. Here's what I do not want, Tebow. I want Tebow to go to another NFL team. Chargers. And I want him to live, have the rest of his career in uh, somewhat, uh, you know, overinflated obscurity. Like he's an obscure player, but very well covered. I want him to remain in the NFL because I do not want him to go to the CFL win a half a dozen gray cups and then all of the uh uh he had it, like he has risen again when he comes back to the NFL like I don't want to hear all those you don't jokes. want him to, you don't want him to do a Doug Flutie <laughs> I don't want him to go to the can, uh, to the CFL for, for 3 years for 3 days or <laughs> 3 years and then yeah, and then come back he has risen I, I can't I can't deal with it anymore Tebow time. um 
I think Tebow is fine. He seems like a perfectly It'd healthy, be normal if you did. person. Yes. Tebow? They call it Teaster. Tebow. You got more headlines? One more. All right. I can see you're getting impatient over there, Nate Timmons. Geno Smith thought he was going to be the first overall pick, by the way. That was incredible. Is that uh, draft talk? New Jeff's Jets quarterback, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I thought that was funny. People are like, they got rid of Tebow and kept Sanchez. I'm like, they're probably not going to keep Sanchez either. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. no, that guy but, is garbage. Uh, Mark Dirty Sanchez. Um, here Now, uh, here is a headline. This is from, uh, I didn't write down where it came from. Mm, but uh, basically, here was the headline. I think this was a Charlotte newspaper. MJ Married. Oh, yeah. Did you guys uh, see Michael Jordan married again? Just, oh, yeah. uh, you know, six or seven years after... You know, it's been bothering me that people are using MJ as for Mark Jackson's shortened name during what? this Nugget series. I've been seeing a oh, lot there's of There's only MJ. one MJ. There's one MJ. There's one MJ. There's one MJ. I don't even want to say Jordan when I'm talking about DeAndre Jordan. Am I right? <laughs> Whoever that is. I mean, I'm, I know who he is. Well, Have you guys noticed? I, I, I'm with you. I'm with you, Nate. I'm with you. <laughs> Can anybody explain to me? Maybe I should direct this question to Jeff. Jeff's <laughs> peanut gallery over here. <laughs> I'd rather I'd answer. What? How does Michael Jordan go through the process of determining the clothes he is going to wear on a regular basis? Nike. Have you? No, 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 no. Have you seen Michael Jordan dress? Yes. He wears like. Jeans, like silver tab, super baggy, early 90s jeans, up like to the belly button. And then he wears really oversized suit coats that go down almost to the knees. He dresses very strange. And like, he has the one hoop earring. He's a very strange dresser. He, he dresses like literally no one else. And it occurred to me, you guys have noticed this? People are too yeah, afraid we, to tell him not to wear it. It's because he dresses in his... Uh, when I saw pictures of him at his wedding, right, he's wearing a tuxedo. Now, I don't know about you guys, but when I wear a tuxedo, that's pretty unusual. And I only wore it, like, on my wedding and a few uh, weddings I've been in. The most normal Jordan has ever looked was this weekend when he was wearing a full-blown tuxedo. Isn't that weird? Well, I mean, he dresses, <laughs> look at it this way, Ross, he dresses like he's stuck in the early 90s. He dresses like... That's where he wants to be, man. He dresses mm -hmm. like a, a a dictator of, of a hermit regime. <laughs> he dresses like <laughs> Kim Jong-il. And honestly, you look at it and you go, oh. And then when I made that realization this weekend, as I was looking, I was looking at this uh, Tumblr site called "What the F is MJ Wearing?" And it was just <laughs> pictures of him wearing these weird, strange clothes that no, you've never seen anyone else wear. He's like ever. the only man that still can get stonewashed jeans. Yes, but they go up like, isn't it cool to sat? Like, it's not even like they're cool. Like he wears his pants up to his belly button. He wears that weird braided belt still. Too. Yeah, like you yeah. Those? I'm it's telling a, you, it's he a weird is. Thing. He dresses. Like you ever see those guys? He dresses like, like a dictator. You ever see those guys that like they dress like it was in the eighties still, or you know that sort of like like that's that. And you could say that's the guy that was his heyday, nineteen eighty six. That was his heyday. He never well, grew up. That's that's Michael Jordan. He's dressing like his heyday, his early nineties. But, but he's it's not like he's, a, you know, a has been. He's a 
He owns an NBA team. He's still making yeah, he owns the forty Bobcats. million. <laughs> he's making forty million dollars a year still in sponsorships. I mean, we could take some lessons from Josh. Here's Johnson. what it is, and this is how it all comes together. One of the elements required for like a hermit regime type thing, like North Korea, is cult of personality. Timmons, you said it exactly. Nobody has the balls to tell him that he looks like a weirdo. No. Even his wife, no. who is and Mr. Jordan, you look really like a, gorgeous. You kind of look like a homeless man. Like, where's his friends? Like, what? Hey, what was their What's... wedding song, by the way? Was it "For the Love of Money"? <laughs> money man. <laughs> that chick is rich. So anyway, <laughs> congratulations, Michael Jordan. Yeah, congratulations. You got married. MJ. Yeah, Kim Jong Un. Is there any relation to these uh, these athletes just marrying much younger women as well? What do you mean? Is there any relation? Just obvious. John Elway does it. Michael Jordan. Robert Kraft now dating a uh, model type. Well, he got over his wife's death pretty quickly, didn't he? (laughs) He really did. (laughs) He really did. Crazy. Crazy man. I've moved on with a young blood. Yeah. Well, thank Uh, you, Russ. You got Russ? That's That's your headlines? Is that it? Uh, yeah, real quick question. Mm. Again, for Jeff. George, Jason Collins was his name, told George Stephanopoulos that he is the happiest he's ever been. Gayest. Thank you. He's the gayest he's ever been. And then let's take a short one. We'll come back with <laughs> things Jeff believes to be true. Welcome back, everybody. It's time to do our uh, the moment where we should call this like uh, Ross's uh, uh, Ross's advice corner, where I advise all the intelligent and very wealthy listeners of the Colorado Sports Guys podcast to start adjusting some of the purchases that they normally make and shift them shift them over to Amazon.com, an affiliate partner of ours, yes. and. What you want to do is you want to go to ColoradoSportsGuys.com and you want to click the banner at the top. It says Amazon right there. You click there and then you do some normal shopping. I'm always talking about Broncos toasters. I'm always talking about ankle socks. Toilet right? paper. Uh, toilet paper. I'm talking about big screen TVs, laptops. Yes. Here's something. talking about electric blankets. Drills, hacksaws. <laughs> you know what I – Warm bottles. Buy <laughs> all C2 the time. C2 coconut water. You guys like hot sauce? Oh, hot luck sauce. Yeah. What's the best hot sauce? Uh, I love Cholula sauce. Cholula. I, I like the green Tabasco. It's not hot, but it's delicious. I like the sriracha. Ooh, the sriracha. Oh, sriracha. Everybody right. used to eat ketchup, sriracha, white rice. Period. Mixed together? Yes. Ketchup and sriracha. You know, to me, sriracha has replaced ketchup. I just put it, whenever I have ketchup, I'm using sriracha. Really? But I get it in six packs delivered to my door from Amazon and it's like at the store you go down here and it's like $8 a bottle. Yeah. Uh, you get it on Amazon, it's like four. It's like 25 bucks for a six pack. Nice. Beautiful. Free delivery. Listen. I wonder if I can get my Cholula on there. Oh yeah. Hell yeah, you can. 
I'll visit Amazon.com and click yeah. the Amazon banner, and I'll do that. You can probably get some other... Uh, no, no, visit Colorado Sports Guys. Yeah, yeah go to ColoradoSportsGuys.com, <laughs> click on the banner, and then go do some shopping on Amazon. Trust me, guys, we need new microphones. Need them. Got to have need some them. new microphones. Yeah, this one's soiled. <laughs> this one's soiled, yeah. <laughs> I still like my mic. <laughs> All right, guys, thanks a lot for supporting the podcast. We really appreciate it. And if you want to continue to do it or start doing it, Go ahead and go to ColorSportsGuys.com and click that banner at the top and do some shopping on Amazon.com. Thank you very much. We love you. We're going to hear a little bit about the things that Jeff believes to be true. The new favorite segment. Sweeping the nation. <laughs> Is it the, you need to get the bangs with the, uh, with the hairspray? <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. The video. Oh, the flock of seagulls. Yes, Ross. <laughs> Sorry, Jeff. I didn't recognize this song. It's not on my run mix. <laughs> anyway. God. All right. Vice off to a roaring start. <laughs> um, it's such an awkward. Every, we begin this every time so awkwardly. Tim, you don't know how to work the boards, man. You know, bring in the music. Sorry. Brought the music in. Would you just let Jeff talk? That'd be a start. Yes. Captain Mumbles over there. <laughs> Me. Captain Clear Voice. <laughs> um, I was thinking about rumors today, and you know, all the stuff you hear out there that you know. Whether true or not, you know, every rumor has, I guess, guess is a, a grain of truth to it. If not, it's a supposition based on a happenstance. And I was thinking about today, I was, re- I was perusing the Golden State of Mind. You remember Nate Parham? Parham? Excuse me. Parham. Parham. Yep. Parham, yeah. Parham. Yeah, I'm sorry. Apologies to Nate Parham. And he accepts. <laughs> he just tweeted me. And I was looking at it, and they said that they're, the Nuggets like game last night. Uh, long story short, they want they beat the uh, Golden State Warriors to uh, make it a three-two series, Golden State. And it was a must-win game for the Nuggets, and they played differently. They they played physically. They did they did what Ross wanted them to do, and. After the game, Mark Jackson accused the Nuggets of being cheap shot artists and sending hitmen after and Steph Curry. Sending hitmen after Steph Curry, but he also said that there was a member of the what did he say, Nate? Say, individual. He said he had inside information from somebody within information. the Nuggets organization. Information within the Nuggets organization that they weren't a part of that. They didn't. They. You know, weren't they didn't condoning co-sign. Co- and co-sign on what the Nuggets were doing. Well, I was reading the Golden State of Mind blog today, and uh, there are several people on there who are believing that it's Andre Iguodala, who uh, was the person who told Mark Jackson that he didn't wasn't co-signing, as Mark Jackson would say, on the uh, on the on what the Nuggets were doing. First of all. There was well, nothing dirty there, but you know. wait, wait, what? So, Andre Iguodala, yes. according to these rumors, yes. ratted out or, or somehow uh, 
contacted Mark Jackson. Supposedly after this play with Kenneth Reed, you could see on the TNT broadcast, Andre Godala was standing near Mark Jackson having a conversation with his hand over his mouth. So you couldn't see, you couldn't lip read what Godala was saying. And Golden State fans now believe that maybe he was the mole. And we had a Golden State fan come on to Denver Stiffs and say that there's a guy on their site that has gotten things right previously because he has a friend, and that friend has a friend that works with Mark Jackson. What and Mark it, Jackson has said that it was, in fact, Andre Iguodala that told him. Supposedly. Told him what? I, I don't understand what he that told That the Nuggets him. did send hitmen after Stephen Curry and that the Nuggets were trying to injure Stephen Curry with some play. They were trying to play. injure Stephen Curry. That they sent hitmen after him to target his. And ankle. That's what that means. Hitmen, hitmen, hitmen. Yes. Well, let me say this. Um, I don't. We will never know if there was anything, anyone within the Nuggets organization who actually said Jack squat to Mark Jackson. That is unprovable. And first and then mostly, and I did the biggest point was that the Nuggets were not being dirty. This was no dirty play. Yeah, there's that, and there's also the fact that, let's say, okay, so supposedly this conversation had happened on the court during the game. Yeah. And somehow, Andre Iguodala had, you know, under his breath, you know, with a hand over his mouth, had told Mark Jackson that the Nuggets game plan, presumably from George Carl, was to send out a goon to injure Steph Curry as in that this was spoken about that was as, as if this was spoken about publicly in a locker room that's absurd we've already heard that from Aaron absurd. Lopez did the uh, Monday morning mayhem show on Mile High Sports Radio and said that he was in the locker room before the game and heard George Carl's speech and heard an impassioned speech and George Carl talked after practice today about not wanting to rough up Curry but wanting to just make him uncomfortable and it was Mark Jackson himself that has said to make Steph Curry uncomfortable, you have to get physical with Steph Curry. You got to knock him on his butt. Yeah, because the whole notion that somehow Andre Iguodala is giving inside information about the Nuggets strategy, and that strategy was the most obvious strategy they could possibly have. Yeah, right. Right. Oh, I have an idea, and uh, you know what? This is going to sound crazy, but let's try and stop Steph. Curry <laughs> from scoring at will. And let's be and a little then, more physical with and, him. And then, yeah, and yeah. then they're going to go off and tell Mark Jackson. Mark Jackson was probably just surprised that they actually started doing it five games into the series because they should have been doing it the whole time. That's probably, he was probably more astonished that they, it's like, you can't do that now. You can't start doing good strategy after you spent four games of playing like crap. It's like, it took you guys five games to find my soundbite where I said I would put Steph Curry on his ass. It took you guys five games. That's been out there for, since March. It would, no, but it, what if Andre Iguodala said something to Mark Jackson just to screw with Mark Jackson's mind? Aha! That, who, who knows? Like I said, you will never know what happened. And but what, what would he have said? And I didn't realize, because yeah. I had heard a little bit about this rumor as well. The way I had understood the rumor was that this had not happened on the court. And maybe it didn't. And That's part that of the rumor. this happened like, hey, you know, hit me up on my two-way. <laughs> hey, MJ. M. Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> Tell Steph Curry to watch his ass. We coming after him. Yeah, and that's kind of how I understood it too. Was it for it to be like the Warriors are maybe on the lookout for it? 
But, you know, and then everybody wants to point to the fact that, hey, it was Golden State that played dirty. They had two flagrant fouls. And it's like, well, hey, understand that those flagrant fouls came after the supposedly dirty play on Farid, which from camera angles show that all Farid did is put his shoulder into him. And what did we talk about uh, two, two games ago? We were talking about Andrew Bogut got the best of our player, and then by the time it was retaliated on, it was too late. It was? And that's what the Nuggets did yesterday. Andre Godala claims that he out. had a concussion after that hit. He says he doesn't remember what happened after he was blindsided maybe, by Bogut. Maybe that's what he called Mark Jackson. Maybe. He was blacked out. He was concussed. He didn't know what he was thinking. <laughs> yeah. But uh, but that's the thing, right? you got to be the first one because otherwise – because it's always the second guy who gets called no matter what, right? That's everybody – that's a, one of the oldest – Sayings in the book. It's the second guy who gets called. They always catch retaliation. So be the first one. The guy yeah. who retaliates is retaliating out of emotion, not out of, uh, not out of stri- uh, strategic intent. You know what I mean? Nuggets did that yesterday. Well, we, yes. we, we'll, we'll cover this in a minute. So I, t- I tell you what, that's the end of the segment. I just wanted to cover that. Um, that was, uh, that was. So what, what does that mean though? If Andre Iguodala is, uh, giving Mark Jackson inside information, if by it, the way, which I wouldn't consider that inside information. If it was true, then I would be very upset, but I doubt it is. But if it was true, I would, it would be him separating himself from the team. But isn't, I mean? isn't Andre Iguodala, is he set to perhaps become a free agent? Would there be people that would just maybe want to make stuff up to try to That's true. create some kind of weird That's divide true. between Iguodala and the Nuggets? That is I mean, there's very, a lot of very, different angles. Absolutely. And whenever you see these things, you got to take it with a grain of salt anyway because it's the Golden State block. And, you know. and they are people in Oakland. I mean, come on. Does Andre well, Iguodala we strike I mean, you guys as the type of player who would do that? No. To me, he seems fiercely loyal to his teammates. I don't think that he would do something crazy like that. Has he, uh, he's been here a season, right? Is he a good team guy? From what I can tell from visiting him at the locker room and what I can see with how his teammates interact with him, they look up to him. And he's somebody that they've become comfortable with in looking up to. I mean, he's kind of taken, you know, for lack of a better term, almost a fatherly role on the team to where he's this battle-tested guy that has a gold medal that's, you know, been in the league that was tasked with being the face of the 76ers after Allen Iverson. I mean, he's somebody that I think his teammates, his younger teammates do look up to. But him coming here, you know, when, whenever we, uh. Wasn't by choice. It wasn't, it wasn't, he wasn't ecstatic about playing in Denver right on the heels of the drama of Melo leaving. Is this guy, you know, is it possible that he has a some sort of a motivating like that would like I always look at things from people's motivations. How does it benefit them? I'm having a hard time figuring out how it would benefit Andre Iguodala to give inside information, even if it's information that even I thought was a good strategy a week ago. (laughs) Even Ross. Even I thought that was a good idea. Well, apparently Mark Jackson said it himself. And up until last night, Iguodala hadn't had a great playoff series. So, I mean, say his team gets bounced in the first round and he doesn't really lead them anywhere. Does that take money out of his pocket as a free agent? Do teams look at him and say, well, geez, you were supposed to really help them and you didn't. You're a 57 win team that got bounced in the first round. Yeah, yeah, yeah there's money. a lot of different But all he has to do is say, well, I didn't do it and Melo didn't do it. Hey, yeah. Look well, at all these. Denver's dysfunctional. The Nuggets are dysfunctional. I'll say that um I don't believe it, but 
I think that overall it doesn't matter. And like I said, you read these things, and they, these are people in Oakland. I mean, come on. Oakland. Yes, they are horrible, uneducated <laughs> buffoons. Buffoons. Fools, I say. Okay, that's the end of the segment. Really Good are. job. They really are. We'll come back. We'll talk a little Denver Nuggets basketball. Look at all these rumors. My city. Were these was uh, Flock of Seagulls the first guys to start using the keytar? No, but there was a video of him, um, the guy the singer. I forget his name. You having a very small keyboard and, and using one finger to play, and it's just it's a camera just pans around him, and he's got this blonde hair and and bangs that go up for like six inches. So no keytar. No keytar. Oh. The keytar is awesome. I think this predates the keytar. It's like I play the piano, but I'm sick of being a nerd. I'm going to put a strap on it. I'm going to look cool. And I'm going to make it look like a guitar, a keytar. Flock of Seagulls always reminds me of the wedding singer with Adam Sandler. Yeah. 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 You never guess who I'm a fan of. Flock of Seagulls. Yeah. Get the airport. Because of the hair. Yeah. Fantastic. All right, guys. Denver Nuggets force the game six. They're going to Oakland. They're going to be playing. May second. Well, eight thirty p.m. to start off. To start off, I would like to give Hipster Glasses here some credit for his uh, prescient analysis from last week. Who didn't know? Uh, I don't deserve any credit. Let me just put it. Let me just start off saying that. Yeah, he almost deserves to have credit taken away from him, if anything. What? what <laughs> listen for various things. Listen. All right. So okay. So here's what happened. I, I, I say, you know what the problem is with the Nuggets? They're not being ballsy. They're not being physical. They're not fouling enough. And then uh, they continue to not be ballsy, not be physical, not foul, and they lose. And then they start to get a little ballsy, start to get in the face, and they start to have a little bit of pride. They start to show a little bit of pride. Maybe it was out of frustration. Maybe it was out of strategy. Maybe it was too little, too late. Maybe, maybe George Carl put out a hit on Steph Curry. But the bottom line is... They did that, and then they won, and it clearly disrupted uh, the the state of mind of the Golden State Warriors. The people, Golden State people, of mind. People saw Mark Jackson last night in his post-game interview, and they said it's gamesmanship. They said he's out there doing a Phil Jackson, not a Mark Jackson. That's what they said, and I say – what are you watching the same thing I am? Because this man looks pissed off. He looks flustered. He looks embarrassed, and he looks like – he doesn't know what to do if the Nuggets continue to do that. Yeah. I did not see any gamesmanship. I did yeah. not see that as a calculated uh, mind game. To me, he looked like he lost his cool. That's what I saw. Yeah, well, I, I think, what was it? Uh, who was it? Maybe it was Sandy the Cleft this morning because I tuned in late. It's probably me. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Nate the Timmons. <laughs> I didn't mean that to kind of sound Tim's as... Talk. I didn't mean that to sound as dismissive as it came out, but... Yeah, but no, it definitely um, wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't me. It wasn't uh, Socks. It was. It, I, I think it was Sandy who said it sounded like uh, Mark Jackson wanted to go there and couldn't stop himself. You know, he wanted to do a Phil Jackson, but just kept going and going and going. And he 
it got worse and worse and worse. And where he lost it really was with when he was claiming there was a mole in the Nuggets organization, what we were just talking about in the last segment. That, at that point, when you're saying that I got spies on the inside, you know, in my column today, I said, you know, I didn't realize this was the Cold War. But if you're going to call a team, <laughs> if you're going to call a team dirty, and then admit that you're stealing information from inside the organization from which you're claiming is dirty. Aren't you dirty yourself? Exactly. And uh, did, there was a was yeah. A, you're, an, inter- you're right. It's hypocritical. It's there weird. Was, there was an interview. It was the weirdest. Post-game Everything about I've it was hypocritical because he's like, "We're playing clean basketball." I, I I quoted that and then showed the hit that Andrew Bogut put on Andre Iguodala, a back screen where he throws a shoulder. Like, come on. Which wasn't dirty. I didn't think that it, was dirty. It's not dirty. It's it just tough. hard. It was it's tough. tough. And you're sending a message, yeah. and you're supposed to send a message. I, and I think we get caught up in the theatrics of what Mark Jackson was doing. And, you know, he did lose his cool. And you know who else lost his cool was Steph Curry. And Steph Curry was the one who was, I thought, more important in this equation. And what they did last night was prove that Steph Curry cannot handle emotionally being challenged. He got he in Kenneth Reed's face. He yep. got in Costa Kufis's face. Yep. He ended up taking two shots from the three-point line with his left hand because he got discombobulated trying to force his way into the offense. Yep. And he went after a fan after the game. Yep. This is, we saw it in the first, uh, not the first game, but the second and the third game and the fourth game. We saw Steph Curry in a rhythm that was completely undisrupted. He reminded me of a and, young boy in a spring meadow prancing and, around. Yes. I, I mean, people were saying he was the greatest shooter that has ever played the game. Yeah. Right? His coach said him, Absolutely. Yeah. And he looks like a young boy in a spring meadow, actually. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. But how else do you stop that? I mean, what type of – what, are you going to switch to a zone and, and instead of a man-to-man? Or are you going to switch on yeah. the picks? No, no, no. You, ha- you have to do something that that guy can't uh, f- just with the flick of a wrist overcome, and that is being physical. And that is um, – and – and, and and that starts even on offense. Whoever Steph Curry's guarding, go in there, disrupt him, make him feel uncomfortable. But it did all boil over when he went at that fan because he was already a few steps into the tunnel, and then he turned like it wasn't like he walked by and yelled something at a fan or flipped somebody off. He was already a few feet into the tunnel, turned around, came back and was pointing at the fan and got in his face, and it was like. Wow, he that something really got to him because it brought him back. He was already out of the situation. Well, All he had to do was just keep on walking. He and I kept saying this last night on Twitter because you know they get caught up in the narrative, and sometimes you're just a single voice in a chorus of, of voices that are shouting at you. And my point when the whole thing was people were completely distracted from the main issue, which was Steph Curry could not control himself. And he got completely discombobulated with semi-physical play. I mean, we're not talking. He picked up a technical. He picked up five fouls in the game. We're not talking about the 90s Knicks here. We're talking about the Denver Nuggets who were not really a physical team. Mm -hmm. And they got semi-physical with him, and he just lost it. I mean, how how would Steph Curry do? I kept thinking this. How would he do against the Memphis Grizzlies in this round? Well, and that's the question, right? Did this real, did this, uh, I mean, 
the Nuggets for this series have played like a bunch of pussies, right? I mean, they they haven't been they've not really shown the uh the drive and the fire that they should have until last night. And Kenneth Freed talked about that today. He talked about you know, he he's coming back off this injury and he was he was nervous and afraid to see what what his ankle how his ankle was going to react and he said in game 1 the first game he played, game two, he got pushed around. The second game, he got pushed around even more. And the third game, he got fed up and pissed off. After that game, he kicked a hole in the wall, and then he came back and played how he did last night. But he said it started with him. The Nuggets were they were being physically dominated in this series. Now, here's the question. Last night, it, it's not like the Nuggets sh- like completely changed the momentum of the series, right? I mean, they certainly brought it back a little bit in their favor, but they still have to win – uh, two in a row. Yeah. And there's talk about, oh, like the Warriors, did they have a sense of urgency last night or were they resting on the fact that they get to go home and they can put Denver away tomorrow night at home in a place where they most recently blew out the Nuggets in game four? Yes. That, exactly. That's like from a Golden State Warriors point of view. That's the, uh, that's the optimistic look, viewpoint. That's yeah. like, well, you they know, clearly, well home clearly they, they, you know, it's, it's pretty obvious that they were just like, uh, you know, little, they just wanted to come home and win in front of the home crowd. Uh, just like, uh, you know, like uh, a Nuggets fan would say a couple of years ago. During I, will, I, will, I will tell you this. There's a reason. But here's bullshit. the question real quick. Can Golden State war, the, the Warriors, can they bounce back from, from what I saw? You said it. Curry lost his composure. I think Mark Jackson lost his composure. Do, can they rebound? Can they come back and get in control of themselves in order to beat the Nuggets? Well, I, I will say this. Or will they overreact to what happened yeah, and, and I will think that they will. throw them off? I think they will. And this is my point from today. First of all, you could tell they were trying to win because Steph Curry would not get that mad if they were trying, if they were relaxing. And so this was like them trying hard because every NBA player will tell you it's more important for them to win on the on the person's opposing court, a clinch of series there, than it is at home. Every NBA player will tell you that because they love the fact that you're shut that stupid crowd up. Every player will tell you that. So they definitely were trying to win last night. I'll tell you this, though. That's a good question. I wanted to ask that to some players at some point. Would you rather close out a series at home or on the road? That's a great question. My theory, my theory is Mark Jackson will now way overcompensate and he'll put out a thug lineup. He'll have Draymond Green in the starting lineup or he'll have Carl Landry in the starting lineup and they will, he will try to rough up the Nuggets. What that's going to do is completely get them off their game because their game is finesse. Their game is jump shots and let one person rough you up. They'll have one person. But if he puts out a lineup that's not playing to their best abilities, which I think he's going to do, then what that's going to do is going to completely throw them off. That will throw their offense off even more. I think he'll stick with what he has, but I think when Draymond Green comes in or when Andrew Bogey gets an opportunity, they may try to take advantage of it with some kind of physical play. I don't think they'll overreact to it because – they do realize that the series is on the line tomorrow night. If they come back to Denver for Game Seven, they're toast. In yeah, my, in my I, opinion. See, I, th- I think they'll. The way Mark Jackson reacted was a man who was going to overreact. But the best part about this whole thing is Golden State. It almost feels like they have to react to something, and the Nuggets finally, for the first time they in this dictated. series, yeah. just have to go out and keep playing how they played. They don't have to react to something. Golden State 
has to react in some way or another. They have to prove that they can shoot the ball well. Yeah. They have to prove that they can get physical. They have to do something to show that they can get back into this series like Ross was just talking about because they are now in a pressure-filled situation in Game 6 where they have to win the game, plus they have to react to getting dominated a little bit in Game 5. Well, the Nuggets have proven in the series that they can score on the Warriors, yeah. right? Yeah, 117 points hasn't been a problem to score. Yeah, what they score last night, 107, Yeah, right? And that was their... Not their lowest, but the first game was, uh, what they shoot like? 97-95, yeah. I believe. 97, right? That's not ideal, but everything else has been 107 points and, and much more. All the Nuggets have to do is just do what they did last night. Yeah. And that's it because you keep Golden State from scoring at will and you get a little tough. I, I don't think the Golden State Warriors have an answer for that. And I think that's why Mark Jackson and Steph Curry were so pissed off and they lost their composure. I think they were also surprised that it took the Nuggets that long yeah. to yeah. figure that yeah. out. Definitely. You know, because they kind of thought, these idiots, they're never going to figure it out. And I, and I do wonder if this was a strategic move or if it was just pure frustration. If it was just, you know, guys get chippy when they're frustrated. You know, at the end of games in hockey, right? You watch that game, a blowout. When do all the brawls happen? When your team's getting blown out. Right? Same as the NBA. Like last year in well, the final game between Mavericks, Lakers, when Andrew Bynum takes the big forearm to, uh, JJ Berea. Yep. You know, all those flagrant fouls, all that crazy stuff starts happening when you realize we're getting our butts kicked and there's nothing we can do about nothing it. You can do about it. So I hope they come out. I hope the Nuggets play tough again. Yeah, I do too. And and I hope they don't go out and let the Warriors react. Meaning that I hope you think, Jeff, that they're going to put in some thugs to go. I hope that no matter who they put out there, they strike first, so to speak, and get tough and set the tone from the beginning, force the Warriors to react in-game because, you know, the officials aren't going to necessarily – Call the, the flagrant or the tack on the first hard foul of the game because it carried over from the previous game. They're going to wait to see that first retaliation yep. foul within the same game. And then that's when they're going to start calling flagrants or whatever it is. But, uh, but uh, I think a tightly called game will benefit the Nuggets because the Warriors set a lot of questionable screens. I mean, <laughs> and their game is not to get to the foul line. The yeah. Nuggets game is to get to the foul line and exactly. to get you into foul trouble. Exactly. So, I mean, that will benefit the Nuggets. I, mean, I think the Nuggets adjusted enough to get this going in their trajectory. And the best thing that Carl did, I think, in that game five was he, you know, at shoot around his pregame press conference, he wouldn't say who's going to start. And the rumors started coming out that, oh, maybe he's going to start Corey Brewer and, they all of a sudden, you had Nuggets fans pounding their heads against the wall thinking, mm-hmm. we're going to stay small and we're going to start Corey Brewer. And then right before tip-off, it's announced that, no, JaVale McGee's going to start. Kenneth Free's going to stay at power. We're going to put the center, Wilson Chandler, from the center spot to small forward. We're going to go Iguodala and we're going to go Lawson. Like yeah. The Nuggets went big and they held it out as a surprise and it was a pleasant surprise and it was awesome to see Carl finally put some trust into JaVale McGee. Yeah. And JaVale McGee responded. Yes, he did. For the Eight point seven rebounds in the first half. Mm-hmm. He was great. Was uh did you guys think as you were watching the game that Andre Miller was a liability? I thought in the second half definitely. Yes. In the second half def- specifically defensively, it's just 
Well, I don't, I don't know if I want to pin it on Andre. He was a minus 14 in the second half. The lineup that Minus George, 14, meaning that when he's in the game. They scored 14 more points 14 overall more points. than the Nuggets, yeah. yeah. I don't want, I don't know if I want to pin it on Andre more so than George going small. He didn't have a center in the game, uh, with Andre Miller there in the third or the fourth quarter, the two times that Golden State went on their runs. I don't think anything in basketball really should be pinned on one guy. I think it was the team that George had out there. That team did not play well, but Andre Miller was a part of both of those runs. Yeah. And I think. And alternatively, what would have been a better. Well, they, they, he would have been Kupis better. and McGee proved all night in the first half that when they were on the floor that Golden State was not going to go into the paint. He would have couldn't been, get into the paint. He would have been better off leaving a center in there. And There's offensively, really they are getting offensive rebounds, and yeah. they were pressuring Golden State inside and making them work inside. And when they went small, it was jump shots that they missed that were easily rebounded, and then it was Golden State going inside, going outside. And, it was uh, just, and that was the first Costa Kufus good game of the series. And it wasn't a great game, but it was good enough. And I think he looked that like was what encouraged. he was, which was yeah. a, a decent backup. Yeah. And he played that way and he got finally got to, you know, he didn't have to go against Bogut to start the game to where Bogut got into his head physically and, yeah. you know, wore him out physically as well or got into his head mentally, whatever. Yeah. And it was, it was nice to see Kufis come in and be able to play against because Golden State really doesn't have any other big guys. Yeah. He fesses Azealia a little bit, but. When the Golden State went small in the first half, George countered by playing Kufus, who's a seven footer, and he was going against Draymond Green and Carl Landry, who are six foot seven. Yep. And he was scoring on him. He had six points. Yep. I think four in the first half or something. He looked, he looked good. I agree. I, I, I always, the reason why I ask you is, you know, because I saw a lot of, um, venom towards George Carl for some of the decision making he made in, in a, in a win of all things. Yeah. And a lot of it was focused on his decision to keep Andre Miller in. And a lot of people have been referencing this, you know, negative 14 point, uh, you know, the statistic and he played that I've only really even heard about or paid attention to this year where people talk about when you're on the court, um, you know, and they score and you're outscored by 14 points or, or that and that negative number attached to your name and that's your line in the box score and right at the end it's like oh negative 14 or negative 10 and i and i find that you know people talk about the difference between correlation and causation right and you could say yeah andre miller has a you know during his time on the court the nuggets were outscored by 14 points in the second half negative five overall how easy would that be to coach a basketball team if yeah. all you did is you looked at that number and yeah. said, all right, well, I'll just put in all the guys with positive numbers and it's, you can't lose, right? Well, again, just because there's a correlation between the Warriors and their, uh, their runs and Andre Miller being on the court doesn't mean that Andre Miller being on the court caused that. That is and, true. And yeah. so it's a, to me, it's a slippery, slope to go down and stats are important and of course we love to talk about them and you can make some correlations but again Andre Miller has been a part of a lot of victories Andre Miller in that first game when the Nuggets scored 97 points right well 18 in the fourth you know and, Andre and Miller. so 
what do you, what do you do as George Carl? You just like read the box score every morning and then figure out the starting lineup. <laughs> yeah, I don't think so. You know what I mean? Or not even the starting lineup, but like who you're going with in the end of games. I, I just see a lot of short-sighted thinking from a lot of folks. Well, there's been a lot and, of people that have damned George Carl for the fact that he doesn't stick with guys like late in games. Like he has these wacky rotations, and it's like, well, one constant you do know is basically the closing lineup is going to be Lawson, Iguodala, and Andre Miller. I mean, that's been that way all season. Those three are going to be on the floor. The next two guys have been, you know, with injuries and whatnot. We've seen Gallinari, Chandler, Fareed, McGee, Kufis all be in the mix there. But he has established that role of these guys know the role at the end of the game. These are my closers. And you got to give him some credit for doing that because there's been so much credit the other or discredit the other way of being, well, you don't have a set rotation. It's like, well, he is, even if you don't agree with it, he is at least has a pattern. He's well, developed a pattern with the team. Yeah, he would have. Doing. It was, it was it Ty, uh, Andre, and for most of the season, it was Ty, Andre, Andre, and, and Gallo. Gallo. And, and then there was, and then, Fareed in there, and then sometimes he put in Kufis, but mostly it was Fareed. Mostly Fareed, yeah. And I think that showed he trusted Fareed a lot more. You know, I noticed, though, is that the player that I would like to single out as far as not giving the Nuggets too much of a chance actually was Ty Lawson. He kept deferring a lot to Andre Miller, and he would let Andre bring the ball up, let Andre instigate the offense and all that stuff. And I don't know if that was by design. But in that second half, and specifically the fourth quarter, when the best coaching move of Mark Jackson made of the – and I don't know if it was necessarily by, you know, that he thought this would happen. Andrew Bogut had an ankle issue. So he had to go small for the rest of the second half. Well, George's natural inclination is to play small. And as soon as the Nuggets went back to playing small, they started losing the lead again. You know, it's just they stopped exploiting their natural size advantage over the, uh, of the, the Warriors. And it happened again. They, so the rotations weren't there and then all that stuff. And I, I think if George is going to do this and he's going to stick to it, he's going to have to stay big. For most of the game, but well, you can't do it. that. You can't go big all the time. No, for most of the game, you get well, especially. It's, so I was yesterday, say, he wasn't you know going well big he, most of the game. Well, no. In fact, most of the fourth quarter, actually, all, all of the fourth quarter, he was small, which is where the Toronto State Lawyers came back, and it was it's well, bigger guys are tired at the end of the game uh, in I the fourth quarter. No, I don't think that was. Happened, actually. Well, George, he, he mentioned it today. He said, you know, when I, I asked him about Wilson Chandler, I was like, did you like what you saw at him at the three? And he kind of, you know, went back to the point of, well, I can play him there, but Golden State plays so small, it's going to depend on the matchups. If Bogut's in the game, yeah, I can play Chandler at the three. If Bogut's off the floor, then he's got to play Chandler bigger and he wants to get his big out because he does like to match up when Golden State goes small. He thinks he needs to go small. I mean, when you talk to him, that's what he thinks. But you saw almost conversely in the first quarter, the Nuggets built a 36 to 22 lead by making Golden State try to play against a big lineup. The Nuggets yeah. dominated with a bigger lineup. Dominated. Yeah. And that, that's what I was talking about too, is that as soon as that happened, as soon as, and this has been happening all series, when George is just small, the Nuggets for don't have the same advantages that they do. Now they can play small in spurts. Against certain lineups, but when Golden State goes specifically goes small with, I think, Landry playing center, I think is when he at least at power forward. And you can't tell me that 
JaVale McGee and Costa Kufis can't guard Carl Landry. Carl Landry can only hurt you from 15 feet out. Yeah. I mean, he can shoot, you know, from the, from the elbow at the free throw line in, and all he does is rebound. So if you have to play Wilson Chandler against him or Fareed against him, why? Yeah. Because Landry's not going to go out to the three point line and start nailing three pointers. He, all he's going to do is rebound. So you're going to tell me a seven footer is not going to be able to rebound better against a six foot seven guy? Yeah. It seems crazy to me. So what you're saying is, I think I understand for both of you guys, taller people are generally better at basketball. Taller than, NBA than players. Taller people. NBA players. <laughs> and rebounding. <laughs> this is not a life lesson we're teaching here. <laughs> it's just crazy. I mean, I think it's been the kind of that fight all season between fans wanting to see George Carl play the big guys more because they have 21 feet of centers. They got the three guys. You know, they have free, they have Anthony Randolph. It's like, we can play the, kind of the traditional way and, you know, George goes away from that. But early in this series with JaVale and Kufis, they didn't show that they could get it done. So yeah. George had to go small, but this game five kind of showed that, at least for that game, that the bigs were there and they were going to be reliable for the whole night. Well, when we played Chandler at center is when he killed Chandler's offense. And I, that's one thing where it's like, I, I was talking to a report, Nuggets reporter about this, and I said, Wilson Chandler is not Michael Cage. He's not built like Michael Cage was. Played. Nor does he have a Jerry Curl. No, he doesn't. I mean, Michael Cage played center uh, for the Nuggets, or excuse me, for the Seattle Supersonics, specifically against the Nuggets yeah, in I know. their series. I know. I know and he's only like 6'7", six, 6'8". Six, six, and Chandler's what, 6'8"? So he keeps thinking, I think, I know he's looking at him thinking, Michael Cage. This is Michael Cage. And he's not. He doesn't play like him. He doesn't have the same game. And it, I think it just killed Chandler. I think it killed his offense. And you saw last night when he was playing the three that he was exploiting his natural advantages. He likes to play on the perimeter a mm-hmm. little bit, you know. And when he drives, he likes to drive. He doesn't really like, he doesn't, he, he, I haven't seen him post up a whole lot. No. He's not a post player. And I mean, when he does, when he's, when he's going on offense, it's his game starts from the outside and goes inside, or he just fires away from long range like he was doing last night. Yeah. Which is, what was it, five for 11? Five for 11. From the three point range? I think four of eight in the first half. Yeah. He was great in the first half. His second half, the offense disappeared, but. Yeah. But he was, uh, he was great for the time the Nuggets were going great, you know, and I think that's a sign. You know, we need to keep doing that that way, but, you know. I'm not the one who makes the decisions. I just want to see game seven, man. That's all I want to see. I think we all do. Yep. You just get that feeling. Do. I mean, last year it was the Nuggets won game six here and then had to go to L.A. to try to win seven. And it's like you could see last night the Warriors were affected by the altitude. And if they have to come back here for game seven and there's only one day in between those games, no, the altitude toast. is once again going to affect them. Clay Thompson, a lot of those guys were hunched over grabbing their shorts Halfway through the first quarter. It's because we kept kneeing him in the balls. <laughs> <laughs> Hitman, baby. Hitman. <laughs> Hitman. There's people's bodies littered all over the court. Yeah. But man, I mean, if you can see the effort from, from JaVale McGee in game six, if they can, I mean, I said it before game five. I have no answers to what they need to do. I had no idea. I thought George was going to play small. Yeah. He surprised the hell out of me by going with McGee and McGee played well. And it was like, you know, 
I was like, all I want to see is Nuggets basketball, and that's what they showed. If the Nuggets were not a basketball team and the Warriors were not a basketball team and these guys bumped into each other like at a Applebee's on a Friday night late, and they got into a little fisticuffs. When you look at just individual men there, who wins that fight? Nuggets beat the crap out of the Warriors, right? I mean, the Nuggets are tougher guys than the Warriors. I would say you're gonna you're gonna plow through most of those dudes. You're gonna have trouble with Draymond Green, Andrew Bogut, and Festus Azili. But we got Timothy Mozgov, man. No, no, Timothy no, 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 no. Include those guys. I'm not. I mean, all of them. You know what I'm saying? Oh yeah. Our toughest guy is tougher than their toughest guy. Our weakest guy is tougher than their weakest so guy. So you're not you're not saying a lot. you're not saying like a West Side Story snap fight. I'm saying I'm saying no knives, no chains, nothing. Just straight up nothing nuggets to the face. Nuggets are a tougher team. They should be. They should beat up on these guys. Yeah, they should. Right? Yes, they should. Absolutely. Uh, you know, across the board. All things, you know, don't include basketball. Nuggets should be a tougher team. Yeah, anchorman style, just I out mean, in a parking lot somewhere. Yeah, yeah what, what would you compare, like Ty Lawson versus Steph Curry, right? Lawson would just run through. He would just day. beat the crap out, like he literally just. And the thing is, Steph Curry's Lawson's not like tough. Tree stump. Well, He's I was not watching, tough. And I was watching that game five, and there's there's moments where Clay Thompson was having to guard Costa Kufis. <laughs> You know, and Clay Thompson was having to guard Kenneth Freed. I'm going, Clay Thompson, you can throw this guy. I mean, you could just throw this guy out of the way. He's, you know, he's a wimp. He's very he's wavy. He's a jump shooting yeah. wimp. Yeah. yeah. Clay Thompson, Steph Curry, best shooter ever. Since when did that translate into best basketball player ever? Yeah. Steve Kerr was a great, you know, great shooter. Reggie Miller, a fantastic you know? shooter. Yeah. And Reggie Miller was, you know, at least he was tough. You know what I mean? And he was still tall. <laughs> yeah. And yes. as I learned today, tough basketball players are better at basketball. Excuse me. <laughs> Wait, no, it's tall, tall basketball. Not tall tough. basketball players. <laughs> You're right. Tall people are better at basketball than short people. This is why I've been screwed. My the next, uh, the next time we do this podcast, we'll know how this series wrapped up, and we'll also have game one out of the way of the second round. Whoever the Spurs end up starts facing. Monday. Nuggets Warriors starts Monday. So let's hope that uh, Nuggets win so I don't have to, uh, one, go to two funerals as a result of suicide. And so I don't have to carry on the torch by myself. Yeah. I thought I was a sports guy. Lost my... It wouldn't be the same without you guys. Yeah, it just wouldn't be the same, man. But, uh, you know, if they do lose, hey, we start talking about the Broncos next week. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, boy. I mean, I love oh, the Broncos. Boy. I love them. Not that we have any left after Jeff's rant last week. <laughs> poor, poor guys. All right, fellas, let's get out of here. Episode 105 in the books. We will see you guys next week.